Now, PW Torch and Spreaker bring you the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast. Five years ago this week on a special Friday mailbag edition of the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast, Pro Wrestling Torch columnist Bruce Mitchell joined me and we talked about Kofi Kingston's big push in WrestleMania season, the return of Kevin Owens, the Vince McMahon Triple H power dynamic, Samoa Joe, should Roman Reigns change his name and look, a topic about the Shield, Daniel Bryan losing on TV as champion, and more. So let's get to it. This originally dropped on March 1st, 2019, and it is today's Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast, five years ago, flashback for Friday, March 1st, 2024. Now, PW Torch and Spreaker bring you the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast. It's time for Wade and his co-host to dive into the listener mailbag. All right, Bruce, we have mailbag questions. And we're going to start with Kevin A., who says, now that he's back, what do you think Kevin Owens does at WrestleMania? My thoughts are Sami Zayn costs him the match at Fastlane, and we get KO against against Sami at Mania, which I know we've seen a hundred times, but they were great together, so I'd welcome it. Or instead of Zayn, Bray Wyatt could cost KO the match and give us KO versus Wyatt. What do you think of that? It's a tougher sell because Wyatt has been so inconsistent, but Wyatt coming back and interfering to help Daniel Bryan is interesting. I don't think they need to put Wyatt and Daniel Bryan together, but having the, them both heels on the same show is a good story and could lead to a great feud if they tell the story right. I hope Kevin Owens gets a good match and isn't just thrown into the IC title multi-person ladder match that we're sure to get. Uh, Bruce, Kevin Owens made his return this week and uh, made made a big splash thanks to Vince McMahon. Your thoughts on, uh, on, on different scenarios for him, including those presented by Kevin. So why did you think... Um why did you think that Vince McMahon, who got beaten up to got beaten to a pulp by Kevin Owens, um, thought that Kevin Owens would be a better, um, more suitable opponent for Daniel Bryan than Kofi Kingston? I mean, there's only one diff- there's only one real thing you can come up with. Vince likes guys with beer beer guts. I was thinking white. <laughs> He's a white guy. Is that so, the story uh, they're telling? You think? <laughs> I story I'm getting. Um, yeah. You know, sometimes the story you get isn't the story they they realize they're telling. Yeah. Um, I like the idea of Sami Zayn being with Daniel Bryan. I think Sami Zayn not only you know off the air fits what Daniel Bryan is doing there, but on the air just that kind of that that he could really play the role of of like he did with Kevin Owens, but the Renfield, but of the Renfield of wanting, you know, the, the scold who wants everybody else to be better people. Um, I think he, I, I think he could do well with that. So, um, I don't see, but I don't see Kevin Owens and, and Sami Zayn at WrestleMania because that match has just been done so much in so many different ways. It's a great match when, when the context is there, but I, I don't, I don't know that, that that's there. Um, Kevin Owens, at WrestleMania, um, with Daniel Bryan is a possibility. You know, that somehow what they weave in and out with, um, with Kofi Kingston, that that becomes the match and, and, and they're playing a longer game than just WrestleMania. Um, with, or, or there's, a, or there's, God forbid, someone decides that every match at WrestleMania is a three way. And so then mm-hmm. we get Daniel Bryan, <laughs> you know, Kofi Kingston and, 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 um, and, and Kevin Owens. So, um, so that would mean Seth. Rollins, Brock Lesnar, and Roman Reigns in a triple threat also. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm on to something. Uh, yes. Um, so they, um, 
you know, so I, I could, I could see that. It was interesting to me because what I really thought was going to happen was Kevin Owens versus Daniel Bryan is Kevin Owens is a man of the people who, you know, ate pizza with pepperoni on it and, you know, you know, littered and didn't care about, you know, until people <laughs> about recycling were bores and, and all that <laughs> against Daniel Bryan. And, you know, because that was what they're, you know, they're doing the, the common man who, you know, the kid comes and wants the change back from, from the $20 bill and he isn't going to give it to him. You know, you know, that the common guy against, you know, hoity toity Daniel Bryan. And, um, and then we get the, you know, then we get the heel, you know, we get the Kevin Owens just, you know, handpicked by the boss to, um, front the black guy. So it's, um, you know, I don't know. So his character might change three or four times before we get to WrestleMania. I mean, that's that's one of it. But but yeah, Kevin Owens coming back is certainly, um, you know, certainly should help the um, the thin roster right now. What do you th- do? You think that the videos that they played with Kevin Owens are going to come into play in a way that just makes sense once it all falls into place? Once they tell the story they're going to tell for the next two weeks or two months or does this seem like, well, Vince called an audible. It was going to be, you know, Brian and Kevin Owens at Mania, but Kofi's so, so red hot that we're going to give Kofi the match at WrestleMania and do the swerve with Kevin Owens. I'm intrigued by it. I, I, I wish I had more faith that this is going to be, have a great resolution and make sense because that's not their, their batting average in this regard isn't great. Uh, but, but they sometimes do make it work and, and maybe there's a good storyline here. I, I can't figure out where they're going with it because if Kevin Owens is a baby face, even if he's saying, hey, Kofi, if I win, I'll give you the first title shot, and he's been kind of sort of nice about it or whatever, I, I, I wouldn't take that. I mean, if you're offered something in a way that's completely unfair, and you're just sort of like, well, I'm going to do it, and you, you just don't really say much, I, I, that's not a babyface return to me. So it seems like this has to result in Kevin Owens going heel, even though those videos seem to be pointing to him being a babyface. I do until um, there's evidence otherwise that this was part of a very well laid out plan for Kevin Owens and that, and that all the pieces come together where I go, oh, wow, that makes sense. Until I see that, I, I'm going to take this as there was a plan for Owens that had to do with those um, selfie videos that got put to the side for the plan for Owens now that has to do with Kofi Kingston and, and, and whatever, it, it, Kofi Kingston and Daniel Bryan. I, I, yeah. and, and we'll, we'll see, but like right now, I don't think that, um, you know, and, and there's, you know, there's sometimes when there's, you get a better idea. Um, I think this man gets too many better ideas. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Well, if, if, if in the end, let's set Kevin Owens aside. It, do you think Kofi Kingston's deserve, deserving such a weird word? Um, is, is his character red hot enough where it makes sense? Yeah, save that for Mania. Don't blow it off at fat, don't do it at Fastlane and then move on to something else, you know, for Mania a little over a month later. Yeah, save, get some heat and more heat on Vince. And, and if they can make it make sense, that's a bonus. But save Kofi Bryan one on one for Mania. Is, is, is that a good move? You know, I don't know. I don't know how hot, how hot Kofi Kingston is right now. It's, um, it's really interesting. I mean, is he so hot that they, that they move him to WrestleMania and then he gets his gold watch at WrestleMania with, you know, and beats Daniel Bryan? Um, I didn't like the look of, I didn't like the look of New Day in those, excuse me for saying this, those brightly colored clown suits. I'm just walking out of the ring 
and getting bigfooted like that. I didn't think that it, um, I thought there was something about it that was really kind of, you know, that wasn't, you know, he does not just he did that. It, it, it hurts. It hurt in a certain way because there was, they looked impotent to me. It was like there's three guys. They just walked out, you know, this is like they're mad, but they don't do anything and they leave. And I understand you still wanted the contract signing, but, the, but the two guys that were left in the ring to sign the contract looked like they were about their business. Yeah. It was like the clowns left and the, and the um, fighters stayed. And, and I thought that was a, and I, I thought that was a mistake. I thought that was a, a to send that kind of message was um, a bad deal, but it could be. Um, but it's not like I can't imagine. It's, it's like just because um, they pushed Kofi and it got over at a Sunday night pay per view. That's not one of the big four tent poles. Um, they wanted him to get over, but does that does that does that make WWE look at him and go, oh, the crowd reaction on this one show and the crowd reaction on social media is so strong, then we're going to go with him now. It's not usually in their wheelhouse to take a mid-card wrestler like that and, yeah. and do that with him. Usually they will um, – and they did it nine years ago with him when he got over. And, and to me, he got over stronger nine years ago with Randy Orton and Madison Square Garden than, than, um, than this. And he got over strong here too. Um, and they cut him off. You know, they did, they, they, they didn't have him on television next week and they just went, well, we got another plan and he's not part of it. And the, you know, and we're going to let this moment go by. Could this be, well, let me ask this as a base, base for the question. How much of what you're seeing with Kofi is similar and, and how much is different than with Becky Lynch? Or, or, and, and actually I'll add to it to Daniel Bryan, you know, six years ago. Well, I think that, um, what, what's different about it is, and yeah, it's also weird that they're telling the same story with, with Kofi Kingston that they did with Becky Lynch. Well, that's part that, two of my question. Yeah. But yeah. So anyway, but that, that's weird. But, um, I think that Becky Lynch and Daniel Bryan, um, the, um, the organic nature of it came over a longer period of time. This was, you know, everybody respected Kofi Kingston because he, you know, there's a lot to respect there. Um, and he's, he's a very good wrestler, but he's in, you know, he's in the mid card and, um, a top mid card act, you know, with the, um, with, with the new day that, that's lucrative. And, but he plays a role there. But, but he is he to, as hot as, as Becky? Like, is this, do you no, look at this and no. be like, oh, this is like Becky all over again? No, I don't because, because this was, this to me was, we need, um, the guy we picked was going to, to, to face Daniel Bryan, got hurt. We need somebody quickly, um, whether it was Daniel Bryan, I suspect it was, but, um, because it seems to me like Daniel Bryan's picking people he would, that he respects that he'd like to work with. But he had the one gauntlet match on, on television. It did work. It did get over. But Randy Orton, you know, Randy Orton like stepped to the front. And then, and then they decided to like, you know, on the B show to have him put on a strong, um, you know, a strong challenge to Daniel Bryan and lose. And I just think this was one of those things where they got a contender over because, and, and the guy got himself over and so did Daniel Bryan get him over in two weeks. That's different from, um, people are really starting to get behind. No one was getting behind Kofi Kingston in this role. It didn't seem like it was even possible to do that because he was he was part of new, the New Day team that was over in a different place on the card. Um, so 
Becky Lynch was organic. Daniel Bryan was very organic. And, you know, it was, it was the work that he was doing with the shield as the shield was bumping around for him, showing what a strong offense that guy had. Um, and people started really relating to it. And it was, there was, a, and there was a pushback on both, on both Becky Lynch and Daniel Bryan that no matter what they say that was, you know, this, you know, we were geniuses and this was a, you know, we were going to end up with Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania and we all pitched in to make it happen. They didn't want it to happen. They pushed against it in the booking. And there, this is a manufactured pushback, you know, yeah. you know, um, you know, this is an angle. This is, this man is doing this as an angle to get over, um, Kofi Kingston. So, and that's, that's so, different. Yeah. And, and so, I get. So my period of time, not as organic and, um, it may still work just as well or it may still work better. Maybe the guy just catches on firing and it, it's really a phenomenon. But, um, but right now to me, it's, and, and it's the third one. So I, I'm thinking, I don't know. If looking at this, cause the, what I asked you is kind of the foundation for this question. Is Vince McMahon trying to recreate but have control of it and say I did it on purpose. What he did, what what the fan perception is with Becky, including the announcement of I'm taking Becky out of the match, putting Charlotte in. Uh, Becky brought it on herself. The announcers talked about that on 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 Tuesday night on SmackDown. They actually in commentary said, you know, well Becky brought it on. Kofi didn't do anything. Like this is so unfair because with Becky she was you know pushing the limits and knew it. Where Kofi was just going about his business, about to sign a contract. But nevertheless. Is this part of a storyline, perhaps, where Vince McMahon is going to try to co-opt the reputation for not pushing the fans' choice by manufacturing situations where he doesn't push the fans' choice and sabotages them? And that's part of some larger storyline involving McMahon. And now with Batista, it looks like Triple H will be the babyface. Could this be heading towards, and might this be a smart way to head towards, a power struggle in WWE where Hunter becomes sort of the fan, the pro-fan uh, 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 authority figure, uh, going against Vince McMahon who keeps undercutting who the fans want. Is, is that a worthwhile story to do or disaster in waiting? Um, I'm not crazy about any more of, you know, people who are not wrestlers, whether they're McMahon's or not, um, being the centerpiece of the biggest storylines, who controls the promotion. We've seen too much of that. It doesn't work very well anymore, and it's been a long time since it has, like years and years and years. So I'm not crazy about it in that sense. I do think that WWE has stumbled over a way that they're so bad at getting over baby faces. They're so bad at getting baby faces up and running that that you really um, – that the majority of the fans just get behind and and so they've um and you know and part of it is because they can't let people be um you know they can't let people they they don't believe in baby faces saying i want to prove that i'm better than you by beating you head up it's got to be you know baby faces are stupid when they get jumped by three, by a guy and three of his cronies because that guy is uh, that guy is more proactive he is making more he's making more of his opportunity and it doesn't matter how you win. It's just that you win. And they tell that story too often and it, 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 it hurts their baby faces. But I think they, they think they've stumbled over a way to manipulate their audience, to manipulate the WWE universe, as it were, the, the core audience by, um, by putting some, somebody to the front that the fans, they think the fans would respect and like, and then pulling the rug out from, uh, from them 
in the storyline like they did with Becky Lynch, like they did with Kofi Kingston, like they did a couple of years ago with Daniel Bryan. And, and then, um, you know, and then the fans are, are furious and they're giving them the stalking horse of Charlotte Flair or even, uh, even Roman Reigns and, and, um, or, um, Kevin Owens. And then, um, you know, having the people go against the, go against the management and, and put the person, you know, put their favorite into the match. And that's the only, it's like the only story they've got left that's effective at all in getting over a baby face. And it's pretty pathetic because, because that story, you can't just do that over and over again to make baby faces. You've got to, um, you know, to make those good guy protagonists, you've got to just naturally do it. You've got to, you know, you can't just, you can't just have the inept, you know, overbearing, um, you know, promotion or the, the, you know, the management do that each time. And so that was where I was kind of surprised where it was just like, is this the only story they've got left? You know, I mean, it's three in a row and you can't really point to, um, you know, I guess you can point to AJ Styles as a baby face who got over as a baby face, but he really didn't have a story. Just he was good and, and he started winning and he stopped cheating and, and that kind of, you know, didn't cheat and that kind of thing. But that very much, that's about it. So, um, yeah, I, I, and I don't think the dynamic, like, I don't think they want to do the dynamic of Shane McMahon versus Triple H because it's cuts uh, too yeah. close to the bone. Yeah. And I don't think they want to do the dynamic, even though maybe they should, of Triple H, um, fe- feuding as, you know, the paternal baby face, um, you know, pat all the wrestlers on the head. Good guy boss who's, who's warring with Miss McMahon. Who's the out of it old guard because the new guard has to win. And what I see going on is Vincent Man is like, you know, I talked about this with Zach Haydorn uh, for VIP members, but Vincent Man is like Al Davis of the Oakland Raiders who was so successful, but he hung on like grim death to th- that job of running and owning and, and general managing the um, Oakland Raiders. And they never, they, they haven't recovered to this day. And, and to me, I don't think this man's going to allow even his son-in-law to have the storyline progression of pushing him out the door. And if he doesn't push him out the door, what's the point? I, I don't. Yeah, I don't see Vince McMahon wanting the final chapter of his kayfabe leadership uh, to be that he was forced out by a young guard because he was incompetent. Um, I don't think that's what they want. Now that the, the it, I, you know it's the 25th amendment scenario that that could happen in real life it could also happen uh in storyline mode but there'd have to be some sort of payoff storyline wise if Vince endorsed it that led to him being the hero and I don't know how they get there from that another question on this and then we'll move to our next uh, actual reader question or listener question I should say um D- Kofi Kingston's uh, l- less than 4 years older than Roman Reigns um, Kofi's 37, Roman's 33, Roman will be 34 soon. Um, they're, they're just over three years apart, actually, in age. What is, is, is it too late for Kofi to, to be kind of like, not, not a breakout star on the Stone Cold level, but, uh, and it's, it's older in age, but Kofi's kind of been able to not coast, but not, he hasn't had exactly a grueling schedule going, Rotating tag matches with comedy the last handful of years. His, his body might not be as beat up as other guys who work singles matches all these years. 
is is this sort of a and we all go back to even to Rick Steiner back in the day. I know he's really young and hadn't been around nearly as long at that point in WCW, but why not just go let's get four or five years out of Kofi as a top guy? Is he that if you if you just decided to do it and got behind him, can he be along the lines of a Bret Hart? A guy who you watch go through the tag team ranks and then the, the, the secondary singles title ranks and the fans are on the, on the journey with him and they just really love and appreciate and embrace the story that he just got better and he found a way to become a top tier world champion. Is that even in the realm of something you would consider if, if you were making some decisions regarding Kofi's future in WWE? Well, I, as far as could he be a top guy like AJ Styles? I mean, it's like yeah, the yeah, guy who, what I'm saying. Yeah. who's really quality, you know, the, the quality wrestler, um, who gives you that main event that people respect, um, that can hold his own in that championship spot. Um, you know, we haven't seen him in singles matches, but what we've seen lately, yes. And, and he's benefited from not only, like you said, you know, working, um, as working in six mans and, and, and tag matches and being a cheerleader at ringside, you know, being a a cheerleader at ringside, but he's also benefited from not being a singles wrestler in the mid card of WWE where you have the even Steven fit, you know, 50, 50 matches where you're, um, you know, where you're losing one week and then the next week, the other guy gets his turn and nobody really comes out of this, you know, out of this, this, um, bog that they're stuck in and he hasn't had the um and he hasn't had the different gimmicks that didn't fit him kind of weighing him down where people get used to seeing him as a mid-card singles wrestler they're used to seeing him as a top um as the top you know part of the top tag team act you know and and maybe under pushed the perception being under pushed but not jobbed out he could do because he would always show you things you know show you glimpses of of a guy you thought, God, that guy could be a good, you know, that guy could be a good single star. So yeah, I think that that's there. I don't think his age works against him yet. It's getting to that point, but it's, it's there. Do I think he would be someone that, that WWE would push as the, um, as one of the faces of the company? No, but I think, I think that he could be, if every, if, if the, um, if the dominoes fall the right way for him, and they don't screw it up and they, or they even give him the chance. Cause I don't know that, I don't know still where this all goes. Um, yeah, he could be that, he could be that AJ Styles type. And I, I've seen a range with him. Like some people play the clown, the goofball, the mid card tag team comedy act, but there's more to them. And I think he, there is, and, and don't have more to him. Some people play that. He's someone who I think has more to him. From what I've seen in glimpses, I think he can convey a wider range of emotion and more serious emotions. And frankly, I think, Xavier could too. Um, Biggie, I'm not sure yet because he's, he just hams it up in such a way where I don't know if, if people would even take him seriously trying to be super serious. But I think with Kofi, they would. I mean, I, he's not a, 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 you know, mid twenties guy anymore. He's, he's, you know, like a kid who's just excited with some good athleticism. He's been through a lot. He has a story to tell. He's been on a journey and I think he can back it up with, with fired up baby face traditional promos. And I, I kind of crave that. That simple story of, of a genuinely organically popular babyface fending off heel challengers when that babyface is more of an underdog, not Braun Strowman, not Roman Reigns. I don't think Seth Rollins is great at playing the vulnerable underdog role. I think he's sort of in this in, in between zone that he hasn't quite, I mean, there's moments where they could have ridden it, but it wouldn't have been as, as an underdog guy. It would have been as just 
a red-hot, really athletic worker who fans just get to behind because he's excited to be champion. With Kofi, he's just big enough and just credible enough, and I think a good enough actor and good at showing fire in the ring. I, I think you could ride that for just do it for nine months like i don't think every time you crown a champion it has to be because you're committed to them being the the top guy for the next seven eight years and he can i think have a good run that might be on the level of what aj aj did but fresher i think people would look forward to tuning in to see kofi's journey and how long will it last i think that's a a story in the palm of their hand that i don't want them to screw up because it was unexpected or they get too cute with it i think it's an organic story and they should just go with it and not complicate it. I know they got to fill TV time, fill it with Kofi Kingston cutting spirited babyface promos and lining up heels for him to knock down. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you could definitely do that, and and um, he does show that, and that was why I was kind of disappointed in that moment where those guys left because that was the mo- to me that was the moment, and hopefully we'll see that moment, you know, in the, in the weeks to come where. Um, they go from being, you know, we're here to entertain you to, um, grown men championship wrestlers, particularly Kofi. And it just didn't see, it just seemed like, you know, it just seemed like they were just complaining under their breath and leaving. And that, that I, yeah, yeah. that's there. So yeah, um, yeah, he's got that, he's got that there. And it, it, and it is because of, um, it is because of the fans took to that two week push. And that, that was, um, you know, that was, you know, the idea was to make Kofi in, in, in defeat with Daniel Bryan. And that really, you know, and they did a really good job with that. And, and to make Daniel Bryan be, you know, continue to be a credible, you know, a credible heel champion who's hard to beat, but you want to see him beaten. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, I mean, I think that, I think that the least we'll have out of this is Kofi Kingston as a challenger who down the line, um, and, and down the line, not so, not so long from now, um, could be that WWE champion, um, and, and have a, have a chapter the way Daniel Bryan's having a chapter right now, playing, um, playing what you described as a babyface champion that, that people like and, and, and think is, um, you know, think is authentic. I have one more. I have another question on uh, on uh, Kofi, and then we'll move on. But would you right now endorse, if you can only push one guy as a top baby face for the next nine months, you're just going to run it through the fall, and you know that's kind of the, what's penciled in, and you're going to tell a nine-month story arc and then kind of evaluate as you go if you need to shorten it or maybe you run it longer. But you kind of plan something eight, nine months out. Kofi Kingston, WWE champ on SmackDown, baby face, knocking down heel opponents coming after him, or Kevin Owens, who's been gone for a while, Fans that, that there's a big group of fans, kind of the guys who are booing Roman Reigns and booing John Cena. They like Kevin Owens. He's got indie cred. He's quick witted. He's he's exciting, but he doesn't look perfect in a way that maybe doesn't endear himself in certain ways. Even though he's a great athlete, a lot of things working towards him, and he's just different than the normal guy Vince pushes. And right now, that might in and of itself be a big advantage uh, for fans. Do you go with Kevin Owens? Is he every man or a different type of babyface push for him? And ride that for eight, nine months because you have that freshness of him having been gone for a while. But when he last was around, fans were kind of siding with him against Strowman in a lot of cases because that was booked so poorly. Which which is more compelling? What's more fertile ground for you? Eight, nine months of Kevin Owens, WWE champ, or Kofi? You know, I, I'm like – it's a false choice. I would, I, I think you could do both. I think you could weave both in and out and, and some time against each other too. Um, I, you know, I would, you know, you want to have, 
um, contenders and champions um, that you could that you could use and, and use in different ways to keep everything fresh. And um, Kofi is a fresh act as a singles wrestler, and and um, Kevin Owens is now too because he's had that time off where people forgot that he was hiding in the you know hiding in the porta potty from from Braun Strowman, and yeah. and also the fact that the guy can talk. And so can Kofi, you know, if they, you know, given that opportunity, they can, um, you know, those are the guys that can recreate themselves. And, 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 so, and, so it's a, it'd be a tough, if, if you had to choose in this false choice between one or the other, uh, no, because, well, because no, 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 I'm, I'm not making you choose. Let me finish. Yeah. If you had to choose between the two and you're forced to, what you're saying is, I don't like that. I think it's a false choice, but if you force me to choose, it's not an easy call. You, they're both. There's good. There's no, good problems. It's not an easy call. I would want yep. both of them. Yeah, that's good. I that's want, that's an answer. Both of them. That's you made me choose. I guess I could choose, but I would want both of them. And I think yeah. both of them. Um, there's, and one doesn't preclude the other at all. It's not like they're the same types. It's not like you got a Braun Stro- You got a Braun Strowman, and then you've got this other monster who has to be pushed in the same way. Right. They're, um, yeah. you know, they, they, those guys are flexible and versatile in their acts, and so. They'd be, you know, yeah, push them both. All right, so uh, it's it's natural with Bruce Mitchell on that uh, we're setting the table at a record length from the beginning here. Actually, it's more me because I asked all those follow-up questions. But let's set the table and introduce ourselves. Yes, it is my fault, but I'm blaming you. Uh, this is the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast, a Friday mailbag edition for March 1st, 2018. Thank you for downloading the show today. If you missed yesterday, Todd Martin was on for the flagship, and we talked about a lot of these same topics and others. Uh, we got a lot of good emails coming up for today's co-host, and that is Bruce Mitchell. He's been a Pro Wrestling Torch newsletter columnist since 1990, and we've been podcasting since uh, late 2004. We do believe, and no one's provided evidence to the contrary, which means it must be true, that we are the second longest running, we, that the Bruce Mitchell Audio Show is the second longest running weekly podcast on any subject anywhere we were doing it, Bruce, before the word podcast was even a thing because it was born from iPods and people were burning your shows onto CD-ROMs or CDs to listen in their car because we didn't have the uh, the podcast uh, uh, universe that, that's been built up since then. So good to have you on the show. And since we're the second of any subject, that makes us the number one weekly longest running wrestling podcast. Oh, easily. Of, of anything. Yeah. Absol- absolutely. So it normally we do we we, we talk uh, Tuesdays actually for VIP members and review Raw, and then on weekends uh, sometimes we do single topic if there's one big thing or we'll run down a lot of other miscellaneous current events and then oftentimes we also do a mailbag for Bruce which oftentimes is more historical in nature. This on the the mailbag the Wade Keller podcast are very topical they're very uh, current events based and so that's what we're looking for here and I I'm looking forward to uh, seeing what the listeners. Want us to talk about Bruce? So why don't we uh, dive into? Yeah, more I am really excited to do this. I've actually this show in particular. I've been auditioning for this show on Twitter for <laughs> a number of months now. So it's great to finally like be on the other side. Yeah, and I know you've been resting up your vocal cords for weeks for this. Oh wait, no, you've you've, you've been doing no. one podcast after I, another. I, this has been my marathon day for podcasts, yeah. and I'm not going to say I spent any time yelling at little kids today either. So, yeah, my voice is, my voice is ready to go. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, so let's go to our second email, and that is uh, from Dean from Tasmania, Australia. How awesome is that? My, wow. qu- my question relates to NXT. 
I, as a fan, struggle with the main roster shows as they lose my interest. I usually watch when someone from NXT is called up to see what's going to happen to them. And uh, and usually it's nothing, and any connection I have with the character or pro wrestler is gone, and then I stop watching. Why does the main roster get it so wrong? Is it because the journey has already happened, so the fans who don't watch NXT aren't connected to this pro wrestler like the NXT fan is? I think Bailey's a prime example. She was a scrappy underdog who was always beaten up and picked on by the heels, and you got to go on this journey with her to her standing up for herself and eventually winning the women's title. Then when she was debuted on the main roster, it's, this is Bailey, you cheer her. No story, no character development, nothing. Go VIP, it's worth it. PWTorchVIPInfo.com if you're interested in VIP membership uh, and you want to take Dean's advice. Um, Bruce, yeah, I mean, Bailey's a great example of it. Uh, last This came back up again last week with the 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 cavalier clunky debuts of uh of four NXT wrestlers after kind of botching EC3 an unfortunate circumstance with Lars Sullivan and uh and and heavy machinery I guess kind of landing where people thought they would that's been about the most and of course Lacey Evans uh, hasn't really fully blossomed into what she's going to be but you can see her her the direction that they're going with her but the other four it was sudden there wasn't it wasn't coordinated well and uh, and it's been kind of clunky, although it seems like Gargano and Champ are kind of pulled away from the main roster, and Ricochet and Aleister Black are going to be regulars going forward. But who knows? It's week to week. We'll see. W- what is it? I-, I think he's onto something about the journey. I-, I think when wrestlers show up in WWE and they've already been on a journey, it's it's this tough call. Do you retell the journey, or do you just assume the audience knows? And if you assume they do, the people writing for those wrestlers don't know those wrestlers well, and it's not really a continuation of the journey. They haven't figured this out yet. No, they haven't. And Zach Haydorn and I, I went really in depth about this, um, about the situation behind the scenes that, that this, and this to me is something really important that's going on in WWE. And it's, there is a, there is, and I've talked about this for a while too, but like I said, we really went into with that call up, with that, as you say, clunky call up of the four NXT, the top four NXT wrestlers. And, um, just not the, the key was Vincent man not telling Triple H that he was going to do that and, and kind of, and just saying, Hey, this is a, and you know, NXT, the purpose of NXT, at least in the beginning was to be of was to develop talent that would be ready for Raw and SmackDown. And that's not quite quite how it's worked um there are you know there's you know through smackdown and raw there's plenty of acts that have come from nxt um but there's not plenty of acts that that have really come in with momentum or really um come to the top of the promotion the way um you know the top acts is what you're really looking for if you're you know a wrestling promotion you want to develop and and there's a disconnect between nxt NXT runs a, you know, NXT, the top of the promotion was, um, Gargano and Ciampa. And, you know, a very compelling fight between these two, um, you know, former teammates and best friends and, you know, that weaved in and out and made sense and, um, it was really emotional and, and, um, and there, but, but those two and its size as much as anything don't fit what the boss of Raw and SmackDown wants to see at the top of his show. So they, they segue into the mid card and a tag team division that is not a very serious division. And these are serious top champion, you know, acts, it, it, you know, revivals like this too. The revival 
you know, did a great job of being world tag team champions at the top of a promotion in NXT. Um, and then came to, and then there was no real place for that kind of act in, on Raw or SmackDown. And that's where, you know, and that's a problem. Um, and so when you're, if you're an NXT fan and you've seen this journey, what really should happen is a seamless segue into the red and blue brands. And it doesn't happen that way. Um, there's, and, 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 and part of it is something that's one hour as well planned and well, um, you know, well laid out and produced. And then you get into, um, you get into a promotion that's, um, a lot sillier, a lot more broad, broad based humor. And then it's, um, you know, then the detail work doesn't matter because nobody can remember, you know, the philosophies nobody can remember two weeks ago because the old man that's, that's running it can't remember two weeks ago what he booked. And it's, and they're booking five hours, you know, they're booking five hours and, and it's a man that's not delegating very well, even though he's got a huge staff. Um, yeah, that's, that's a major well, issue with WWE. And, and, and it's I think- more than just a journey and it's more than just, it's a, um, you know, it's the um, AAA club not preparing a- – and one way to look at it is the AAA club is not preparing athletes for the um, major league um, team's um, system uh, of playing. And, or another way to put it is, you know, it's a major league – the major league system is not as well – is not as well um, thought out as the um, AAA system. And you could argue either side. Yeah, it's also writing the first half of a TV series with one set of writers, and then the the actors go to a whole new set of writers who haven't been paying close attention to what got them to where they are to the to the next season or the next part of the season. Let, let's be more let's let's be more specific. This man does not follow NXT very closely. Right, right. But you there's he's got a whole group of writers, and it's. Vince doesn't need to watch NXT to bring somebody up and sit down and in 10 minutes be surrounded by a table of writers who do watch NXT, have Triple H on a conference call with a couple of the top NXT writers and go, how should we do this? That's how a professional would do it. That a professional, a professional organized experience would say, we have this really expensive, elaborate developmental system. And when it's time to bring guys up, we want a smooth transition because 30 to 60% of our audience knows who these guys are pretty well. But there's another 30 to 60, you know, you know, whatever the numbers are, who just peripherally know them or don't know them at all. And 10% like definitely don't know them. How do we handle this and come up with a system? I mean, for years, I mean, not 20 years. That's all, you know, that's all fine. And you're right. Um, number one, you, you, number one, what you're talking about, you have to assume that the, um, acts that you're doing this with from NXT, are the type of acts that you want at the top of WWE. And that's what I'm saying is apparently, not apparently, the top guy is not the type of acts he wants. And so you have this disconnect. But you also, but the other part of it is that's all fine and good. But look what Vince McMahon, look who Vince McMahon hired last week. He hired Comfort Food. He hired yeah. a guy that was not part of any of these systems that went back to the old days and that could, um, you know, that, that had his, View of wrestling and and all the things that he did, and it's too early really to tell. Bruce what, Pritchard, for those who are what Bruce Pritchard's fingerprints, yeah. you know, br- br- what fingerprints are coming from Bruce Pritchard. Um, but it's he didn't, you know, Vince McMahon didn't hire 
to um, do what you were what you're suggesting that actually makes a lot more sense. He went back. He he hired someone to widen the gap, not to um, not to bring you know not to bring the, it make things more seamless as he was going along. And, and part of this too, you know, we can blame Vince, but Triple H wants NXT to be the third international touring brand, and he has wanted that for a while. He's stated that. So I, I don't know how sincere Triple H is in his effort to groom wrestlers that trip, that Vince McMahon will like and bring them along in a journey to a point where the story in NXT is now they've graduated to the main roster. In an ideal world, that would be happening somewhere within WWE's ecosystem. But instead, NXT tends to tell the full journey story, and they do it with wrestlers that Vince McMahon that don't necessarily have the traits that Vince McMahon wants to push. And sometimes they hoard the wrestlers who are better for longer um, than would make sense because they're fully ripe by the time they get to WWE and the story has already been told and a big chunk of your audience has already seen it. And it's hard to then, it, it shouldn't be as hard as it is, but it's, it's more of a challenge. And there's another part of this, which is as a third brand, it's hard to tell looking at WWE financials, whether this third brand is sustaining itself. Um, at the very least, it's hard to tell. And it, it, it seems like, you know, and, and how do you do that? So, um, Triple H critically, you know, wrestling fans that like NXT and, and, um, folks in our business respect NXT and the, um, four shows a year, the takeover shows are very, are successful in any way that you measure the money or, um, you know, or content or, or, or however it is, but they are also, um, propped up by the idea that, the, that there's a major group of wrestling fans who are in the mood to watch wrestling who are going to a big wrestling show the day after who um who will also a, a significant portion of them are willing to spend some more money to pay to get in it makes it a little easier when you've got and then you've got the NXT Armory shows um that aren't exactly taking the world over as far as success as far as tickets goes they're they're successful at, at, on a small level so you've there's a lot of moving pieces in this. There's there it, it, on both sides. Yeah, there's, yeah. You know, and and so and then also you got a 73 year old man and you've got a man approaching his 50s who um, had to be thinking his time would have already started, and that's um that's a unique you know that's a unique circumstance and that they're not really on the same page. But you know for for a long while I've would talk about this real early on with NXT that it was clear to me that NXT was was not only there to develop wrestlers for Raw and SmackDown and I, you know no one saw the third brand thing coming but it was all but it was there to get over Triple H as a competent um, handler of talent and storylines and and everything he would need to be as he moved in to take over from Vince McMahon and now it you know now it really does look like the 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 um incumbent ain't leaving no matter what and that puts the um that puts the heir to the throne in a very interesting place is he prince charles or um is he um v- vincent kennedy mcmahon after vincent j mcmahon um sold him the company and and is hunter content 
with building NXT as the third international touring brand with Vince McMahon hands off, getting critical praise and, and working under less pressure than being the guy trying to produce five hours of TV on the main roster. And is he, does he seem like that type, does he seem like that type to you? Uh, I, I can't rule it out because I think he's got enough creative freedom and, and there's been enough growth with NXT and he has a vision that he's get, you know, gets to talk about and play out about, about there being, you know, these NXT territories. And I, I mean, I think he's been given enough of a slice of freedom and budget and exposure through the network, um, and Hulu for that matter to feel like he's not just being hidden somewhere. Um, so no, yeah, no, I, think um, yeah. I don't think he thinks he's being hidden somewhere, but Triple H has always been a guy who put himself at the front of the line. So I don't think that, I don't think that, Hey, I've got True. this like this cool niche is that guy. I think that guy is like, I want to run the whole thing. And you know, that's why I'm, I mean, he married into the family, let's face it for love, but that's why I've, that's what I've been working toward my whole life. And it's my time. I don't see him going, um, oh, it's okay, and I'll um, I'll go over here and play in this sandbox, and um, I have enough money, and and I have enough control, and I live this really comfortable life. I don't buy that. I buy that he's um I buy that he's got to be chafing at this point. Yeah. Okay. Let's uh let's move next to uh O'Brien. What are your thoughts on John Cena putting over Samoa Joe at WrestleMania this year in a serious storyline that would hopefully finally catapult Joe into a title run that's been long overdue? I understand he's had some injuries and Vince likes reliable guys, but I think that's dead and gone and he needs to pull the trigger because he constantly, Joe constantly delivers on the mic and in the ring. Um, he's got a question about Velveteen Dream next too, but first on, uh, on Samoa Joe. I mean, Joe, you know, we're talking about Kofi at his age getting a push. Joe came to the main roster older than Kofi is now and has had a, visited the top tier, had a world title run, but it, it has felt sort of start and stop and this feels like he's as cold as he's been as a character in terms of you would think if, if Vince saw him as a true, truly a top tier guy, he, he would be doing, he would have been treating him and positioning him differently since his, his run with AJ. So, um, would John Cena coming in and Joe doing a heel program and beating Cena be an elevation of Joe that would give you a couple years of Joe at a higher level? Yeah, I don't think that's how you do it. I don't think that, um, I don't think that beating John Cena at WrestleMania is the move anymore. I think John Cena is now is the legend, you know, the greatest, the the greatest WWE wrestler of all time, or however, you know, whatever it is they're saying, greatest WWE superstar, blah blah blah. And that he, um, when he comes to WrestleMania, you know, they did the comedy stuff where he basically got squashed by Undertaker, but now I would just say that you know the legend wins his match. And the legend losing his match, for the most part, against the heel decisively to set up the heel for a long run, that psychology doesn't work that well. It's more of a, it, it can be a downer to see, you know, to yeah. see the guy, um, you know, the, this great act that, you know, this great champion who won all the time. Now he's past his prime and, and he lost in a place where he would have won. I, you know, I don't, I don't, by that, I've talked a lot about this over the years and written about it. That it's not as simple as just, you know, passing the torch is not. Um, well, now it's your turn to lose. You lose, and the guy you lose to gets um, gets 
you know, gets what you had added to what he has and he moves on. It'd be great if it was that way, but it's not. The psychology of it all has to be in the right place. I think that if you're going to elevate Joe and Joe's a great promo and he's credible as all get out in the ring, um, his age and his, um, his age and his miles, uh, you know, as far as his career goes, maybe work against him a little bit. But again, you get him. He needs a title run. Yeah. Like, you know, he's like, he's made his challenges and lost. He needs a title run. And, um, if you're really going to elevate him from where he is and he needs to hold that title for a while. And I'm not talking about the intercontinental, intercontinental title, the U.S. title. Um, and he needs to hold that title for a while. And then it's the question of can he, can he, um, can he do that without being injured? Can he do that, um, with that and but he's got you know he's got main event wrestler you know he's got main event wrestler and guy that people respect and like more than he's pushed and those are two very strong things yeah that, that where you could elevate him because people recognize that he's better than um and god knows they've you know than he's ever been pushed in his career pretty much because he spent all those years in tna and um and then even in wwe they've done a better job with him but they haven't pulled the trigger all the way and he's, you know, he's championship wrestling material and they have gotten over the fact that he is that way with a different type of body. Like now's the time that you can have the different bodies besides the, um, you know, besides the action figure bodies where that, um, and get over and, and get over with this man some too. Right. Yep. All right. Good. His second question. Um, it's quick. I'm curious both your opinions. Velveteen Dream has been one of my favorite wrestlers on NXT and one of my top, one of my top favorites of all of WWE. I've liked him ever since Tough Enough, which I actually thought he should have won. How do you both think he should be utilized when he finally gets called up? So along these lines, Bruce, I'll, I'll augment to, uh, uh, O'Brien's question. And he adds, I love the podcast. Appreciate your time. Thank you, O'Brien. Um, I think Velveteen Dream has a chance to be that, that guy from NXT who, Vince, Vince loves and, and he gets treated well and he's not a Fondango. Um, he, he's somebody who, or, or no way Jose, that there's a more of a Randy Savage-esque path for him, um, as a, a top iconic wrestler once he gets called up for four to eight years or, or longer maybe. Um, that's where I think he is. And I think he's proven it in the ring and he's going to be a product of WWE for the most part. And, and they can take pride in that. Um, your thoughts. Um, I think that, um, I think it's all in, and this is a generic answer, but it really is the answer is when Velveteen, Velveteen Dream comes into Raw or SmackDown, that he comes in not in the middle of the card, that he's not programmed with, um, you know, however his act is, he's not programmed to win and lose with, um, even the top mid carders, that he's treated as something, um, special. That, that his appearance is special, that his ring entrance, you know, fits into everything that he does, the flamboyancy, and that he is someone where it's not just the title picture, or it doesn't even have to be the title picture, but he is, um, working with top stars and having, um, matches that have consequence with them. And that he's, um, and that they were all talking about him, that their video packages about him, that all the things that you do to have a top star 
and that he also can handle all that, not just in the ring, but, you know, emotionally and professionally. And um, that's how you do it. And I think that he is definitely a candidate for that. Um, and I think that also he's a candidate to be to fall out and be a Fandango um, if he's if he's put in the big card and just a gimmick guy who's who can, um, you know, and it would be a, it would, you know, Fandango may have been, you know, may have had the career that um, he should have had or Tyler Breeze maybe had the, the career on, you know, in the in on the main roster that he should have had. Maybe not particularly Tyler Breeze, maybe not, but, um, but this guy, um, he could be that top guy, but it is how you handle him. And from the beginning too, not the, um, Oh, let's get him out there and then let's see if they take to him or not. And then we'll push him. This one, this is yeah. a guy, he has to be like, you know, Randy Savage came in and immediately, and they did it with nobody else. Immediately every manager in the, in the WWE that was a manager manager heavy at the time was bidding on his services so that made him seem like a big deal he wasn't beaten and then the surprise of miss elizabeth being you know being the one who got him and then you know their on-screen chemistry being so good and made you know made that macho man overbearing macho man he gave him somebody to be overbearing to um that's that's it's a generic model always for wrestling, but that that I think Velveteen Velveteen Dream is going to need to really get to get over. I think he could get lost without it. All right, very good. Up next, uh, Ryan from Auburn Hills, Michigan. I'll make this short and sweet. WWE having their champions lose on TV for the sole purpose of establishing a new challenger. Is this their laziest and overall worst booking crutch that they continually go to? Is it multi-man matches or something else altogether? Either way, it's annoying and totally devalues a champion and the title. Just to belabor the point, Daniel Bryan's been pinned three times on TV as WWE champion in the last two weeks alone. It's abundantly clear wins and losses mean nothing in WWE unless your name is Brock Lesnar or Ronda Rousey. Makes it an awfully difficult, it makes it awfully difficult to get invested in anyone these days. Love your podcasts. Thanks for answering. Thanks for listening, Ryan. Uh, Bruce, yeah, booking crutches and uh, sort of separate and overlapping the history of having champions lose to set up title matches. Um, yeah, I disagree with some of this, but um, I mean, there's nothing wrong with um, establishing a contender by having him beat the champion in a non-title match in some sort of non-title situation, whether it's a tag or something, and then that's how he earns his title shot if it's a heel champion. But what you don't want to do is do it maybe too often. You know, you want you, you know you want to go back to the um, let's have the contenders fight it out. Um, let's have you know another way to get to be you know another way to get to be a contender. You're a um, you're a legacy champion who returns or something. You know, it's like someone who has a track record. Let's put them in there that the fans want to see. You know, mix it up. If you have, um, if you have a good booking technique, but you use it too often, it becomes a crutch. And maybe the third time with Daniel Bryan, um, you know, doing, doing that, um, was one time too many or, Maybe two times too many. You want to mix, you want to mix and match. But one of the things with Dan O'Brien is he's going to be a wrestling heel champion. He's going to, you're going to have the good match and, um, you're going to overcome it. But what you, you know, to me, what you don't want is Ronda, you know, and this is a, in certain situations a bad, 
example, but you don't want the situation where Ronda Rousey beats Ruby Riot in a minute and a half and just smokes her. And then Ruby Riot gets a rematch because she's a name or we need another match or, you know, Alexa's not ready. You don't want that. You don't want, um, you know, once the, um, heel, once the heel champion beats the, um, the hero challenger, you know, clean, then that should be the end of the program. You've, you've determined that the heel, that the heel is the better man and he didn't have to cheat to do it. Um, if you, you know, but if you start a program and then you can have the heel champion, you know, somehow survive with his title through some sort of chicanery but not proving that he's the better man and then use the stipulation to cut off that sh- chicanery so the um the chances the chance for the challenger is more fair that's that's a story you can tell too um i you know i don't know that it's um ruined daniel bryan though i mean i think it's, I, I agree that it was used too often the one that it's ridiculous is the revival and they're even pushing back again on on on, on twitter about it but um the one that, you know because the revival's role was as a good working set of mechanics to put over you know other tag teams to make them look good to make them look like they beat someone that was worth beating and now because of their um you know because they yelled they wanted out of the contract they were sick of doing that and sick of you know and also sick of of the division they're being that they're in being used poorly um you know they got their run as tag team champions but on TV at least um they're in the exact same role just the championship and they're getting beat you know they're getting beat to to put over the you know new guys and that's um you know they're getting their good they're getting their good matches on house shows and they're getting a chance to show what they can do but um and they're getting over on house shows but that that one's there but it's just a matter of mix and matching the um you know the types of and you you're limited too because fans expect um fans expect clean finishes you know and so you've got to either have those finishes that are clean in, in a way that fans will ex- fans will accept, but also, you know, also leave that rematch open for the challenger, and that's that's a tricky business. Yeah, yeah, it is, and a lot of TV time to fill, and it's that's the a lot of formula. TV time to, yeah, that yeah. that part for sure. Okay, um, yeah, and I mean the the challenger losing the champion has been done. Or beating the champion has been done a lot, but you really need to make it memorable, and you can't have the champion lose all the time and expect it to still, still be, um, the, you know, still be something that, that counts. All right. Um, do you think uh, this is Vincent from Chicago? Do you think that having the WWE Championship match taken away from Kofi Kingston is the beginning of a heel turn, whether for one or all three of them? Would it even make sense for the New Day to turn heel at this point? Uh, Bruce, any, did, has that crossed your mind? And, and how do they get there? Do they like, well, if you can't beat them, join them? Um, I, I, I don't know. No, no, no. You do the bitter black guys who are sick of being um, okay. passed over, and they, um, you know, they start beating up. They start beating up all the white guys. So that's what you do. Yeah. That's the heel. That's the heel turn. Yeah. Um, and they change, and they stop dressing in clown suits, and they stop um, shucking and jiving. Yeah. yeah. And throwing pancakes. So um, I don't think. I don't think. The heel move is what you do here. Um, I think that, and I don't think it's you go, um, you know, that, that, that Pez Watley's mad at Jimmy Valiant for calling him a great black athlete and singling him out for, for his, um, ethnicity and then goes and joins, um, goes and joins the boss man, you know, and going, you know, like that, that, 
New Day goes and joins, um, you know, Vince McMahon and, and becomes, you know, becomes his vassals. I mean, I don't think you do, I don't think you do that. I don't think that they, I don't think, number one, I don't know that Kofi Kingston and Big E, maybe, I mean, Xavier, I think, could play any, you know, could play heel or face. But, um, I don't think those guys, particularly Kofi, I don't, I think he's a natural baby face. And so in this situation, this was really unfair. So, um, I don't think you have him, you know, I don't think you have the guy, you know, you know, give in. I think you have the guy, um, fight back. And I think that's what we're going to see. I don't think this is a heel turn thing, but it also, but it's got to be a change in character from the new day being, you know, entertaining to, um, this is serious. Yeah, having uh, taking their job seriously, having an edge, but, caring about winning, and, and and having aspirations besides being entertaining. Yeah. You know, you know, you, you you don't treat me that way, and yeah. that's you know that should be the story, and yeah. and you know and and then overcoming um and overcoming um this crap, and yeah. so that should be the you know that should be the story. Yeah. Alex from South Africa. There's been a lot of criticism of how the big four from NXT have been portrayed on the main roster over the last couple of weeks, but I have a theory. With AEW on the rise, which of the WWE brands has a fan base more directly competitive with them than NXT? With Halftime Heat and the exposure of uh, Aleister Black and company on the main roster, maybe Vince is trying to build the NXT brand into an equal third brand, and doing so having the direct, more maneuverable rival to AEW. This looks like smart corporate strategy. Furthermore, the Dean Ambrose angle, yes, angle, he's saying, may well be a tactic to prove to the investors and the public when he inevitably resigns that their talent is loyal and they have the means to hang on to them. Yes, Vince might be a crazy old man, but he is an experienced, in battle-hardened, crazy old man. Great show. Keep up the good work. Uh, Bruce, take it away. So you're building up your third brand by grabbing the top four guys out of nowhere without telling the guy who runs the third, the third brand and putting them on, um, your own television without a real plan prepared to get them over without video packages, without any kind of thing in mind. And then, um, you are competitive. Um, and that makes you, that makes that third brand competitive with, your new, um, this new company because they have similar acts and perhaps they will push them in similar ways. Um, I think it's more direct than that. I think that, um, and again, I talked about this with Zach this weekend. I mean, we went real in, in depth on this stuff. Um, I think this was Vince McMahon got beaten out for four top stars in a way he's never been beaten out as far as, um, you know, as far as, Bidding, you know, bidding for contracts and didn't get them. And that was the Young Bucks, Cody Rhodes and, um, and Kenny Omega. And he put the real, you know, he put real resources into it and lost. And his reaction was, I got to show everybody that we've got new talent coming in that's every bit as good as those guys. In fact, they're better. And not only that, we already had them. And that's, and that was part of what you saw here. And yes, it was a, you know, yes, Raw and SmackDown for some insane reason, um, have, don't, didn't have, and, and also injuries and some bad luck don't have, you know, don't have the depth that you think they might have. And so they did that. It was, there's no plan with this. Um, and the truth of the matter is AEW, if they're going to succeed, 
and we don't know if they're going to or not. It still is, let's just, you know, they succeeded at this stage. Now the next stage is the television contract. Succeed at that stage. Then the next stage is actually producing content that will draw enough of a rating to um, to bring enough people into the tent to sell and then successfully sell to them. There's a lot of these things that they, they have to show that they can do, and they're not there yet. But but if they are there, they're not competing with NXT as a niche. They're competing as um, they're competing with WWE as a whole. Um, that's the goal. That's the um, that's the thing there. So um, so yeah, I don't I don't buy all of this. And then as far as Dean Ambrose goes, I don't buy a master plan either. Dean Ambrose was frustrated. It, it was clear watching him. You know, it was clear. Um, it was clear um, in the the angle they put him in with healing on Roman Reigns' cancer, um, you know, that flopped. Um, it was clear in how he delivered things, and so um, and it's also clear that there's that he's not the only one, and that there's there's now there's alternatives for people, you know, that they can um, not only just look at money, they can look at um, their schedules, they can look at where they are in their careers. And, um, you know, the, the contract just rolled over for Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy, and they're going along with it. Um, WWE probably is a better place for them than, than AEW. Yeah. But there's also, but there's also you know, there's also, um, you know, Pac where the um, – where the better place for him, he in his estimation was was AEW. So um, and and other guys like that. So Ambrose, I don't I don't see that as this master manipulation. There's this, you know, for, for, particularly for people who grew up with Vince McMahon providing their wrestling, you know, providing their major league main event wrestling, to think of McMahon as this master manipulator all the time, and when things go. When things fall into place for him that he didn't manipulate, give him credit for the manipulations. And yeah, to the winner goes the spoils. But, um, and, and, you know, you get the money whether you plan for it or not if things work out for you. And that's what's happened with these cable TV contracts. But, um, the, I don't, I don't buy any of that. I don't buy an inevitable, um, you know, an inevitable, um, Dean Ambrose resigning. It certainly is a possibility. But, um, you know, and there's that, you know the report this week that that Roman Reigns, you know, leader of the locker room, is well, I'll, you know, I'll take care of that. Um, as far as Dean Ambrose goes, um, we'll see. But uh, I've been told all, don't. I've been told don't count on that working. <laughs> right, right. I mean, yeah, we'll see. And but you can't. But I would certainly not count on it being a master manipulation to show that the um to show that the um the talent in WWE is loyal to WWE. A lot. Of, there's a lot of wrestlers that like to be out of there, and there's a lot of wrestlers who, um, if if things, if the money was competitive, not even more, would but but was competitive with the schedule and the um the ability to be a part of a creative to to be more involved in their own creative directions, um, they would leave, and so you know. So, and some of them will, and some of them won't, and some of them would like to, and we'll find out, we'll gamble and find out that there's not a place for them. And yeah. that's, that's part of this too. So, yeah, All this right. is um, much more wide open than just, you know, this man's a master manipulator and he's the, the god of all wrestling. He's, he's, uh, uh, he's the most successful promoter ever. That's what he is. Yes. Okay. Uh, up next, Zach in Texas. Hey, way to Bruce. I'm curious for Bruce's take. 
on Wade's 25th Amendment storyline idea with Vince McMahon. Vince has made erratic, irrational, unilateral decisions, which have undercut his children and son-in-law first with Becky Lynch and now with Kofi Kingston. Do you see Shane, Stephanie, and Hunter revolting against Vince on Raw next week as the chaos he created with the Raw women's title situation comes to a head? Anything you want to add to that, Bruce? I guess we really did cover that quite a bit earlier. Well, I mean, I think as far as the storyline goes, yeah. that is where they're heading. Um, you know, we kind of talked about Triple H versus Mr. Man, but I think it's more going to be um, the reasonable young generation versus the old man who's making these arbitrary decisions. And and it's going to play out. You know, it's not going to have a conclusion. That's that's kind of my sense of where this is going. And, and, and maybe Shane is the heel somehow in this um, because that was – that was the plan before, but maybe they changed their mind about it. And Vince, you know, Vince will play the um, the heel in the role. Um, I could see, as far as Twenty Fifth Amendment, what I what I'm assuming what I'm assuming is, and I have no idea why you'd be thinking about the Twenty Fifth Amendment these days. But um, as far as you know, does you know, does someone come and does a white truck pull up and? Guys in white suits come out with a butterfly net and chase Vince McMahon and, and put the butterfly net on him and drag him off. And, and that's the end of the Mr. McMahon character. I mean, the Mr. McMahon character. Um, I tend to doubt that for the reasons that I, I said before. Um, and also, I think that the most effective thing to do would be to tone back on these general managers way back and just have – you know, have a figure, not an incompetent Jack Tunney figure, but have a figure that was quietly competent that would come in and make matches when those matches needed to be made and would make the storyline driven decisions, but wouldn't be on television all the time. And that it would go back to that this would be about chasing championships and, cha- and, and settling grudges between wrestlers and not even tell a story about overthrowing this, overthrowing Mr. McMahon and, um, and, Stephanie McMahon, you know, you know, Stephanie McMahon being consistently a nice person who pats the wrestlers on the head instead of a um, mean person who, um, you know, who takes their, um, you know, takes their, their fight away from them. You know, just, just, just move away from that. You don't need a story. Just, just go to, um, Go to the stars. The stars are why you're there, and the stars are um, in these fights you want to see, and, the, and you want to see how their careers go one way or the other. And it's about the wrestlers. God forbid. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, uh, Andrew G says, I used to think I loved triple threat matches, so when I started listening to your show, Wade, I was confused to hear you not like them. After listening to your reasons and looking at wrestling with a different perspective now, My opinion changed. This brings me to the Becky Ronda Charlotte situation. I I thought this could be the exception to the one-on-one rule. But after the last few episodes of television, I'm back to wanting one-on-one, but I want to see Becky against Charlotte. Ronda's the one who feels like a third wheel now. Becky's a great face. Charlotte's a great heel. Ronda just feels really cold at this point. Uh, Bruce, in addition to that that specifically, what do you think of the social media? What's going on between Becky and Ronda, uh, especially Ronda? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, especially Ronda's comebacks to Becky uh, this week. You know, um, you can sit there and parse through um, those those tweets, and you can look at the parts where Rhonda is kind of out of control, saying that she's real and Becky is fake, and and um, and you know the arm bar cracks and the real personal the real personal parts of it, and go Rhonda's messing up, and that um, 
and the, the appearances that that these two really don't like each other. Um, I think that this is number one. I think that WWE clearly knows what they're doing and giving them the freedom to do it. But here's here's where I think it's great, and I think it supersedes all the you know the, the death of a thousand cuts you could do with every one of these tweets. Um, including the um, fake word being used, is that you get the impression that these two do not like each other and that Ronda in particular might snap and kill Becky Lynch in their match. And um, that's always been the key, whether it's the attitude era or the, um, the era we're in now or the era of anybody um, in professional wrestling. That has always been the key to – Getting people to buy a ticket. What if it's not even is it real or is it fake? It's just that possibility of something I can I can dig my you know I can dig my teeth into in your meal that this is a fight and that I can um and that I can suspend my disbelief a little bit and there's this little part of me in the back of my mind that goes what if. I know it's not, but what if this is that one time? I can't miss that. I've got to see that. And so this to me is using social media really well. I'm, I am, I am for this a hundred percent because of that. Should, should, um, they tone back a little bit on the, um, on the, the fakety fake stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But, um, but does it sound authentic to me? Do both sound authentic to me in their dislike for their, uh, for each other? Um, yeah, I, yeah, they do. And that's what counts. And it doesn't even matter to me if they're sitting in a room going, you say this and I'll say this. This is great. Holy crap. Um, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to find right. that. I don't want to hear about that necessarily. I don't want them to tweet necessarily about that or show it to me on a WWE special. Now, if, um, if, I get wind of it and, and I, you know, get two sources and it's, and it's credible and, and I would report it. That don't get me wrong, but it's, um, but as far as them reporting it, I don't want to know about, you know, it's like, I don't want to see it on a special, you know, on, on a special to, you know, road to WrestleMania after the show that they were, you know, they were great friends, you know. Yeah. I mean, I mean Daniel, Daniel, Bryan, Daniel Bryan and Miz did a hell of a job on, on talking smack going places that felt legit and that you, you made people kind of uncomfortable and made it seem legit that that Daniel Bryan would be uncomfortable with what Miz was saying and vice versa. But Wanda Rousey is WWE's top paid star going on Twitter today or yesterday by the time people listen to this saying, this is Ronda to Becky. F word? You mean fake? Fake like your nonsensical BS quote armbar that doesn't even work and just looks like you're holding the D and she didn't say D that you wish you had. You can't have a, a Roman Reigns is on Good Morning America on Tuesday morning saying we are proud of the charity work we do in the PG environment we have for families. And you have Ronda Rousey as a babyface, I presume, going after Becky as a co-babyface on Twitter saying that that's that's incongruent, Bruce. It is. And it's money. I so disagree with you. Oh, I'm this is. I'm this not, no, you just, you just said you agreed with me. I'm not saying it's the wrong thing to do. I'm saying it's incongruent with sure. Roman Reigns' message. Sure That's a is. fact. Sure it is, but it's right. going to draw that match, that three-way match 
people are going to want to see it. The people that are following this on Twitter are going to want to see it, and they're going to be they're going to be like there's going to be um, that big match, that big fight feel, and this is going to help with that. I don't agree with I don't agree with um, this you know this question saying that Ronda is cold. She's not cold, and and this is part of it. That personality that she shows that there's some insanity in her. There's some. Um, I, I'm, I'm agreeing with everything, Bruce. Like I don't want you to repeat okay. what you just said. Let me let me okay. clarify my point. Yeah. I agree with you. What they're doing is going to make people want to watch this match. What I'm asking you is, can WWE get away with this incongruence between the smiling Roman oh. Reigns and yes. and Ronda Rousey on social media saying that? Is that okay for the WWE brand? And I'm fine with the answers. Yes, you're, I'm not even taking a stance. You yeah. can't possibly okay. disagree with me. Oh. I'm just asking you. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Now that one you kind of weaseled out of. I, that one you really did. So I'll give you credit. Um, they, um, yes, yes. As long as that Rhonda and Becky are the only, and Charlotte, and Charlotte does it, Charlotte does it in a really obnoxious, smart way where she doesn't, you know, she pulls back at the right moment. She's better, in certain ways she's better at this. In certain ways these two are better at it than anybody. You know, Becky and Rhonda. Than anybody, as long as they're the only ones doing this, as long as this doesn't become what everybody does up and down. Um, WWE can't control other wrestlers and other companies, but everybody in WWE they can control. And you know, and it's made clear you don't do this. This is reserved for the main event of WrestleMania. Yeah. And yeah, you do that, and you can, you know, and you can, you can say that stuff, and then you can have, you know, you can have. Becky coming back with, you know, Becky with that Photoshop of Rhonda's husband as the, as you said, D word, you know, as, as that and looking really personal, you know, it's like that looks really personal. And, and but is it, is it tawdry? Can you be personal, but yeah, not enter yeah, that no, zone? Hell. Yeah. It's is all hell. Yeah. But this is, this is where, um, this is one where it's not, it's, it's not, Getting heat on cancer, you know, that's tawdry and a bad taste, makes you look bad, and people don't buy it. People buy that these two don't like each other. Yes, yes. And so that's what, and that, and they also, and they also buy because there is, if Rhonda decided to kill her, Rhonda could, I mean, that's a, that is something she could actually do. I'm not saying she's going to, I'm not saying that, um, but people know that she's, as legit as it gets, you know, in, in this situation. Well, and here's, here's and, the other thing. They don't know anything about <clears throat> Becky except for maybe Becky, you know, maybe Becky could catch her with something if it came down to a fight. Who knows? Becky's tough. So, um, you know, and I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I'm saying that, that, but that question gets raised and all you need is the question. Yeah. So here's another thing that this is accomplishing, not without a potential price in terms of <laughs> Roman Reigns with a straight face saying, you know, and I mean, you can say the honor products PG, but you know, in social media, we don't really regulate, but here's the thing. If Rhonda's losing her, her level headedness, I'll put it in a PG way here. If she's losing her level headedness on Twitter by saying things that go against the tone, the company generally encourages or sets for their talent. What will she do in the ring? What will she do when the crowd turns on her? Yeah, and of course, exactly. and that's where there is. And if, you have, if you have a corporate, if you have a tone, not even a corporate tone, but if you have a tone throughout your whole wrestling show, 
And then there's a main eventer who runs counter to that tone. It's going to stand out. It's kind of the opposite of what I was saying. Don't allow everybody else to do this. But because, you know, you know, because you've got, you know, corporate face of the company appealing to the broad range, you know, just kind of, you know, showing the flag for WWE and what great people they are and how, you know, every, anybody would want to, um, get in, you know, do business with them and they're as mainstream as they get. And it's not selling tickets necessarily WrestleMania. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's waving the corporate flag. And then you've got over here, um, Ronda Rousey and, and Becky Lynch and Charlotte appealing to fight fans, including WWE fight fans. Um, that's, you know, they serve different constituencies. And this to me is the exception that proves the rule. And that's, you know, and that's where you, you you don't have to be, you know, you don't, you shouldn't have the same tone with everything. It's kind of why Conor McGregor is so effective, even as I think he's unprofessional. I think that there's cost, there's long-term cost in how he's behaved and what he's done. But in the short term, he has gotten over his fights like nobody's business. But you don't want everybody on the card um, throwing um, bricks through bus windows. Right. You, know, yeah. you just want you want something standing out, and this this stands as far as social media goes, and and social media is you to me is used in support of the main hype, not as the main hype, um, with the exception of of being the elite, and being the elite is going to turn into support, you would think, um, for the for AEW um, as they as they gain national television. But, um, yeah, this is, yeah, this is the exception that proves the rule. All right, up next, uh, Matt from Long Beach, California. Like wrestling fans everywhere, I'm thrilled to pieces that Roman Reigns is going to be okay. I'd have thought that I would like your opinion on, though. I wonder how long it'll be before fans start to boo Roman again. Maybe I'm wrong in that. Uh, doesn't happen, and that would be great. But I wonder if there's any logic to Roman Reigns taking on his real name, Joe, for the rest of his wrestling career and sort of leaving Roman Reigns, the Roman Reigns character behind. Roman Reigns is someone who got booed out of the building for various reasons. He didn't connect with the fans. He was pushed over Daniel Bryan, etc. But Joe is a person who overcame a resurgence of cancer and fought to come back to be with us, the fans. Moreover, I felt for a long time Roman could use some different music more suitable to a baby face. So my question is, is there any money in totally revamping Roman more akin to the real person, Joe, who people seem to be behind? Thanks for all the great content. Go VIP. PWTorch, VIPinfo.com. Bruce. Um, I don't think that, I don't think you change his name to Joe. Um, I think you keep Roman Reigns. I think the, the character already has evolved because of what he went through, because of what Roman Reigns, Joe went through in real life. And, um, and, and fighting this cancer and having it come back to having, you know, having it come into remission, you know, awesome news. And also just to get off the stage a little while, um, that helped. And, and then, you know, I think that, I think the flat vest needs to go. I think that, um, I think that the bulky, and I wrote about this, you know, right after the cancer diagnosis, but I think the bulky build, the muscle head, part of him needs to be toned back and it looks like it has been and and then um kind of continuing and how he talks you know how he talks to people in a, in a genuine way like, like he did the other night and of course he he isn't going to have the ability to go out there and wait and go hey i beat cancer 
but he can go out there and, and, um, modify how he does his promos and they can also be careful about jamming him down everybody's throat. Um, but you also have to remember that not all the fans rejected him. A significant portion did not. And the fans that booed him still came and, and, you know, and, and supported WWE and didn't, you know, and, and so he was strong enough in his ratings and in context of everybody else's ratings. He was strong enough in his merchandise sales in con, in the context of everybody else's merchandise sales that he kept his, he kept his position. Um, I really hope that like he, you know, I hope that, that, that they adjust this character and evolve his character, not just change him all the way up. And, and cause him to say he's Joe. People know him as Roman Reigns on both sides of this. And yeah, I would like to see him, I would like to see the, his push be a little more surgical and a little more deft, um, and move away from, you know, I don't want to see, I, I'm sick of Romanism. I'm sick of the whole issue. And I dread, I, I'm hoping that Roman Reigns beat cancer and beat Romanism. And it might be harder to do the second one. And so, um, but yeah, it's got to be the, they've got to be, do a little better job with them. Yeah, that's the thing. Our fan, fans are not, fans are not obligated because Roman Reigns beat cancer to suddenly like or be passive about things that they did not like about his push or his presentation. I don't think that's fair either. No, no, of course not. Yeah. No, it's just, it's just take the, take this break, this opportunity, this good feeling. And move it on, and move it on, and and make some adjustments so that people relate to him. The people that didn't relate to him. Now, there's going to be the people. It got to be such a habit that there were people that, you know, you know the Superman punch, and there was all this, and you were part of this, and it was like there was all this. Why the Superman punch was so awful. And it was just a signature move. A unique it was, it was move. fine. It was overdone. That's the issue. No one said you well, can't yeah. do Superman punch, but when it's 60% of the moves you do in a match and, and that's, that's and probably that. true. Yeah. 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 And the, you know, he doesn't have enough moves and all that. There was a lot of, there was a lot of that that hopefully will be let go. And, um, but he well, wait, needs, you're, you know, well, let me, let me ask this. You're telling yeah. fans to let it go or you're saying hopefully Roman Reigns mixes it up a little more. Well, mixes it up a little more, but not, but not that we're counting all the moves that he can do. Because there's, there's, there's plenty of, I mean, he's a good wrestler. And it's not just, and it's not just, he uses it. I mean, that was his signature. That was his thing. And good wrestlers have their signature. And I think that it was the resentment. I, I still just look at, you know, it's the fruit of the poison tree where he was the guy standing there who the company wanted instead of who the fans wanted and Daniel Bryan. And then, and then all of this grew out of it. Hopefully there'll be a more, um, you know, there'll be a fresh look, but there's going to be people that are going to get that. And if they don't give them enough of a fresh look with him, it is going to go back to that. But we've also seen that there's not enough fans that left. There's not enough fans that, that didn't buy his merchandise or there's not that were drawn enough for buying his merchandise that in the context of WWE today, that and there was enough fans and there were enough fans to support him. There's a lot of fans who support him. Yeah, and there's a lot. There's a lot, and there's um, and there's also when he walks out, there's not that. Uh, I mean, there's that ugh. There is that, but there's not that. This is flat. This is not so good. 
there's still that, okay, I'm paying attention. I hate him or I love him, but I feel strong about him. And it's a fact that WWE is not going to, um, is not going to change on him if, as long as there's, you know, as long as there's that reaction to what he does. And, um, and so hopefully they've got some ideas of, and he has gotten some perspective and there's some, and there's some, um, evolution. But not a total makeover. And, and there's also fans that, that fans that look in fresh eyes and go, you know, maybe, maybe this got to be a habit. And it did. I mean, it was just, I heard it all, the, I heard it all the time. And, and there were sometimes I just went, but look what you're seeing. You're like, what you're seeing is, di- what really happened is different from what you're saying because this guy just got under your skin. And, um, hopefully there's, hopefully, and if there's not a reexamination and, um, it's another round of this, then I think that's going to be worse. You know, I think there's, I mean, you know, I think it's going to be an indication that they need to move away from him because the other parts, it isn't going to hold up. You know, it is, you know, the fans that love him and the fans that, um, you know, the fans that come and they hate him, that stuff isn't going to hold up for him. With a second round of it, I can't imagine after all these years. And like, you know, this is the, this is the one chance. And it's unfortunate and scary that it was through, you know, real life, you know, real life, his real life being threatened. But here's, you know, here's a chance for a fresh start and some fresh eyes. And he has a lot of, um, he has a lot of positives to bring to it. And hopefully he learns something about his negatives and hopefully they did. So, and, right. and hopefully fan, and hopefully there'll be enough fans who, um, that they do make those adjustments and there are enough fans because not all of them will, no matter what, but there are enough fans that, that look at those adjustments and go, okay, I can, I can buy this. I'm going to let go of my, you know, I, I like him better than I used to, Yeah, but yep. it's all up in the air. All right. Uh, uh, Monday night was a good start, but this, but that ain't going to be, that ain't going to be anywhere near enough. Sure. Uh, CJ from New York City. Uh, after Roman and Seth saved Dean, they hugged as Roman's music hit, and they didn't even bother to look in Dean's direction. I find that pretty odd. The announcers then ignored the save and just said, welcome back, big dog. Then when Roman and Seth got to the top of the ramp, they finally looked back at Dean, and the announcers stayed totally quiet. Even Renee Young had nothing to say about her husband's predicament. I know this is all by design, but to me it just seemed unnatural for the announce team not to question why they would save their former S.H.I.E.L.D. member after what he did. Any thoughts? Thanks. Uh, Bruce, yeah, just... Analyzing that aspect of this, Romans and Seth are being stand-up guys, and they're being forgiving, or they're they're saving their dean. But the and that's fine. You can maybe tell that story, but it does feel unnatural to have the announcers not seem to know how to handle it, or being muted from trying to lead fans in a certain direction. And I'm not quite sure why, but it makes the announcers. I think look bad and untrustworthy that they're not commenting on the obvious thing that you should be wondering about. Um, number one, the commentators are never natural. Those announcers are never natural. So anything that, you know, so it's consistent. Um, (laughs) so the other part is here's what they were trying to do. They were trying to build intrigue for, you know, Will Seth and Roman accept Dean back? And, and I do agree with they, they floated the possibility and they had Dean, you know, they had Dean apologize to Seth and say that, 
say that, you know, he's for him, but there's, re- you know, but, you know, those, pre- you know, it's like, okay, d- if you just do the reunion right at once, it's like you can play this out a little bit and then have the reunion. And I think that's where they're going with it. And I think what they thought the announcers being quiet would be they're not overdoing it. What are they thinking? Da, 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 da. They're just going to let, you know, they would let people go. I want to see that. But I didn't see it. They're not even looking at them. They're just hugging each other. Oh, wait. They looked back and hmm, the announcers didn't say anything. I think that's what they're they're aiming for that intrigue. Did they get it? Well, when you've got announcers who, um, you know, who speak a foreign language to anybody, to every other language on the face of the planet, um, then anything they're they're going to do is not very natural, including shutting up and let the moment speak for itself. But that's how I, but I took it as that's, you know, that this is, um, this is, this is building intrigue for will they or won't they accept Dean Ambrose back in the shield and get the shield back together again and building that desire in fans to want to see that. And then also managing, you know, whatever, you know, Dean Ambrose leaving the company. And to me, I'd still, I'd have Dean Ambrose reunite the shield and then, and then if Dean Ambrose wants to go, he goes. Um, and not and not just beat him or have him do nonsensical things on the way out. I would just I would just you know phase him out and not have the shield around. And you know in three years, if everybody's you know on if Dean's coming back, then you bring the shield back at that point and you save it as a legendary thing. And um, or even you know hype it as a legendary thing, no matter how legendary it is. I don't know they ever got that run. You know, they, they certainly were halfway through it when they turned Seth and then they didn't get the reunion. So, um, and it looks like they're not going to get the reunion with Dean Ambrose leaving either. So, yeah. um, at least, you know, they'll get a brief one. I, I, I definitely think that, but, and that's what they should do. But, um, yeah, I don't, um, I, I don't think it was the, I don't think it was the best thing, but I don't think it was the worst thing either. Yeah. Yep. All right. Cool, Bruce. Uh, done a lot of podcasting today. Appreciate you taking time to do this. Good, good questions from, from the group. I'm going to be talking in my sleep tonight, I think. <laughs> yes, you are. Uh, so that'll do it for us here, Bruce. Uh, wait uh, a, oh. I do want to say, look for me on the, um, on the deep dive of Rich Fan and a very, um, interesting, um, you know, wide ranging, different discussion. Yeah, so, well, um, just, pitch it a little bit here. It's, it'll be dropped tomorrow, Saturday night over at the PW Torch Daily Cast feed. So just search PW Torch. Or go to pwtorchdailycast.com Saturday night to find it. Uh, but it's part of the daily, it's, uh, the deep dive with Rich Fan is part of the, the different show every day of the week lineup at the PW Torch Daily Cast. And Bruce, you were on, uh, with a group, which had to be interesting, um, uh, uh for, uh, Rich's show coming up exactly. on Saturday. That um, <laughs> I don't, what he means is that I talk over people and, and, and grab the microphone and, and hog it. And I tried to, but it didn't work out very well. Um, <laughs> I basically took the, the um, place of Travis Bryant. And by the way, Travis Bryant in the East Coast cast, but there was a discussion of we, – we talked about um, – and we, we took wrestlers out of it, amateur wrestlers out of it, but the great athletes um, in, in professional wrestling and the guys who um, could fight and that you would um, – and we even had – Cameron Hawkins talk about guys he thought maybe he could take, um, uh, which 
kind of stunned me. And that was a fun part of the discussion um, of guys who were dangerous and maybe didn't look dangerous um, or, you know, in, in in wrestling and guys who were and then just a wide range of you know and it really opened up a lot of different discussions because we went through a wide, wide range of, of men and women wrestlers we went through you know of course since i'm in it um i cover the old stuff and you know i cover the waterfront and i cover everything but i but i had the old guy examples and they had the example, you know, there was some generations that were covered there. It was a really cool discussion and you know, pretty funny too. So, um, and it's, um, you know, deep dive with rich fan available for everybody. Cool. Check it out. And, uh, Bruce, we'll talk to you also this weekend with the Bruce Mitchell audio show, uh, which is exclusive for VIP members. So if you have enjoyed hearing Bruce's opinion one more. and okay. one more plug, Boy, talk yeah. about stepping on people. Go ahead. Yeah, exactly. Well, Bruce Mitchell Audio Show. I was going to say some nice things about you, but no, I'm not. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, no kidding. So, um, <laughs> and also I'll be on, I just don't want to wrap it up without saying this. I, I did a spot with, uh, the Duke Loves Wrestling, um, podcast, which is not Duke Blue Devils, just Duke Loves Wrestling out of Boston. And, um, that was different and, and fun and basically talked about some, we talked about some times when people wanted to beat me up from things I wrote about. So, um, the, and, and, and talked a lot about the issue of, you know, of, of Kofi Kingston's push and how, um, and New Day and, and how they, you know, how they are in the WWE universe and, and kind of the controversial parts of that, parts that I wrote about this week for the newsletter. So, um, I, you know, hopefully people listen to that too. Do close wrestling. Excellent. Very cool. Uh, thanks, Bruce. Absolutely. All right. That'll do it for today. Thanks, everybody. Be sure to check out the shows we put up earlier this week. Todd Martin, personality-hosted podcasts. That does it for me for today. Thanks, everybody. And until next time, Wade Keller thanking you for listening and signing off.